This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell him Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Welcome back to Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast, part of the Radio Horror Network, as we continue our coverage of the 50th anniversary of Vampirella. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Serena. And tonight, as part of the 50th anniversary of Vampirella, we have another distinguished guest on the show with us, who has been on the Radio Horror Show, and you can check out her full interview about a lot of her body of work over on the Radio Horror YouTube channel. We have author... Writer Nancy Collins on the show with us, who wrote Vampirella for 13 months for Dynamite Comics. Thank you for coming back on the show with us, Nancy. Oh, thanks for having me, uh, having me again. For anyone not familiar with Nancy, she's written Sunglasses After Dark, a dozen Black Roses, Vamps, as well as being a comic book writer uh, for Swamp Thing, uh, Jason vs. Leatherface, Predator, and of course, Vampirella. Your most famous contribution to the world of vampires was before Vampirella, and that was with the character Sonia Blue. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, that, w- that was my first novel. Won the Bram Stoker Award and the British Fantasy Award for first novel. And it was nominated for a John Campbell Award, a uh, James Chipty Award. It was nominated for, I think it was nominated for a Sturgeon. And, and basically, I, I, you can either blame, credit me or blame me for creating you know, being one of the people who created the urban fantasy genre. Credit. <laughs> Credit? Sure. Why would you be blamed? Well, yeah, it, 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 there, there's yeah, there's always a upside or a bad downside. I, you, you could also, I've had people also credit me for creating the paranormal romance genre, which I really don't understand and don't see at all, <laughs> because these are not <laughs> romantic books by the by a long shot so but yeah I uh, got my start writing Sunglasses After Dark which is about a female punk vampire slash vampire slayer she has issues now that, <laughs> just a few that just book, a few book. she even managed to get her into a comic book format that book was published through White Wolf Publishing I didn't know they published anything outside of like Vampire the Masquerade Werewolf by Night and other connections to the World of Darkness type of role playing games so they well, they were a publishing book, company before actually this. The books the books were originally published by uh, New Line uh, New American Library, uh, which later, or Signet, which is now Penguin. But, but they uh, White Wolf pick, uh, collect, uh, printed them in a omnibus format. Oh. omnibus format. But originally it was Signet who uh, published uh, Sunglasses After Dark and In the Blood. White Wolf picked up the third book and then reprinted it all in one anonymous format, and then they asked me to do a crossover with their Vampire the Masquerade, since the the properties were so similar 
although sunglasses predated Vampire the Masquerade by a year or two. And so we did a, a crossover with a dozen black roses. Your run on Vampirella, which lasted like 13 months. I asked. We we recently had Tom from the Vengeance of Vampirella book on the show, and asked a lot about like, does the writer get to influence how the character looks in the comic book a lot? Because your version of Vampirella, you know, it, it's kind of like a detective story, but she's also clothed a lot in the in the comic. Yeah, I I made the decision that she's not walking around in that all the time, uh, in her in her sling suit, uh, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I like sling suit. <laughs> yeah, it, well, that's what they're called, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's a form of ke- a form of swimwear or bathing wear. I don't know if you could actually <laughs> swim in it. I don't think you can no, swim it out without popping out, with especially with the yeah, breast that big. Uh, from, uh, created in Brazil. Oh, um, right. Doesn't uh, Borat wear one in his movie? <laughs> you know, yeah, there there are ma- there are male equivalents. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I made the decision that that's her battle costume. I mean, Spider Man doesn't dress walk around. Peter Parker doesn't walk around dressed as Spider Man twenty four seven. Right, but that's does Vampirella? Right. Vampirella doesn't have a secret identity though. Well, well, actually, she does. She call her. She goes by Ella, the name Ella Normandy. Oh, okay, she, gotcha. I think it's human. Uh, she's used that in the past. That's from the Warren era. But, uh, but when I was reading her back in the seventies, she didn't necessarily walk around in that suit all the time. She wore a trench coat over it half the time. Right. And it was a little short trench coat, but it was still a trench coat. So I basically had her wearing that under her street clothes that when it was time to fight, that's what she was wearing. And that's theoretically a, a Draculonian, you know, you know, that's her, you know, their equivalent lederhosen or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, their, their folk gear, the, you know. Because I, 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 they come from a desert planet, and all the women dress like that, and all the guys wear sarongs. So uh, that's at least that's what I have. I, what I described them as wearing. <laughs> and then, as far as writing, you were pretty much given the like ability to do whatever you wanted yeah, as a character, right? Brain. Yeah, I was the first woman to write Vampirella. That, wait, oh, I didn't really? Know that. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. At that. that point, she was forty-five years old. She'd been around for 45 years. But that's and nuts. They never had a woman on the book before. Nope. Nope. Not as a writer. But but hold on, hold on, hold on. One of the creators of Vampirella was a woman. Well, she created the costume. A woman Robert. created that costume? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's an underground, uh, feminist, uh, underground feminist uh, cartoonist. Huh. Oh, very uh, cool. Peter yeah. Robert, she's also done like Wonder Woman stuff and things like that. She's one of the people who founded the Lulu Friends of the Lulu Society. Huh. Um, and uh, but you know it was it was but you know Frazetta actually created the the original version of Vampirella. Right. Uh, and it just and, but she created the the costume. <laughs> and, uh, and and that costume it, when it first started out she actually had like leggings you know it was like pants. You know, she had, you know, she wasn't bare-legged, and it had a belt. <laughs> but over the years, it just keeps getting smaller and smaller, and now she's bare-legged. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I wanted to actually change her costume while I was work, working on it because you can't nowadays. If you can't cosplay as a character, it really affects the book sales and popularity. And there's pretty few people who could pull that off. Very few, and, or or are willing to because. You know, you've, you've got to really have brass ovaries to dress like Vampirella in public. I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. you uh, you definitely <laughs> have to have some serious confidence with your body. I mean, yeah, you yeah, you, you really go 
you probably attend more conventions than the both of us combined, and you must well, see... Well, I I've, I've, I've have uh, people come up to me dressed as Vampirella. Yeah, time. Vampirella, Elvira, um, even Witchblade to some extent. If they're going with the full body armor of Witchblade, I mean, it leaves her entire midsection completely exposed, which I've never understood. My, the way I recommended re- redesigning the costume was just, you know, covering her legs. You know, taking it back to the original design in the first few where she's her legs are covered because at least you don't feel that exposed. Right. Yeah. Um, and it get into some, you know, shapewear there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in in regards to the costume real quick, there's um like on one of the pages, the costume is the traditional look, but there's like a rounder shape to the part covering the breast. That that was uh, that had nothing. That was Patrick Birkenkotter. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He made those decisions. Um, maybe that's his model wasn't comfortable wearing. You know, I, I have no idea because he lives in the Philippines. I have oh, no idea. Oh, okay. What he, I never spoke to him. Oh, really? Wow, you guys never, never had any never, interaction. Never exchanged an email or anything. I just sent him photo reference. But later on, there's like a different artist. Let's say let's. I'm going based on like volume one. So up until issue, it was Ber- it was Patrick all the way from one to thirteen. Oh, the it, artwork the looks annual, like it changes. The annuals had different had different artists. Oh, okay. Because there's one about a like a, a girl who goes to church. She's in a chapel. Yeah, that yeah. That oh, was it's the totally Temple of different. Satan. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Temple of yeah, Satan. That was, that was a totally different uh, artist. Oh, okay, all right. That's yeah. Where, that's where where she where Vampirella's dressed as a nun. She's right. The cover as a nun. Right, and this like this 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 quaint village girl who's got like a, a rack probably bigger than Vampirella's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was allowed. I when I brought was brought on to Vampirella, uh, I, I wanted to utilize the Warren uh, the original Warren characters. And bring some of those back, or at least re- revisit them or revive them. And there's not a whole lot of characters from Vampirella's run that that were continuing characters. There were one or two. Right. Uh, Pen brought, Dragon uh, was one. Yeah, the one that um, uh, I think that was Mephisto, uh-huh. uh, uh, who was supposed to be the devil's mistress, who uh, uh, who was created by Richard Corbin and uh, I think William DeBerry. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look, but. I know for sure it was Corbin who did the artwork on it, but it was only like two pages. It was like a throwaway. It was never used again. <laughs> and uh, same with uh, Madame Evely. She was a throwaway character. She was introduced very early on in one of the Vampirella issues, and same with Draculina, uh, Dracula's evil twin sister. <laughs> just, they were just invented used once and just never never went back to them. Yeah, so I had read that you had more story arcs planned out, which involved bringing back Draculina and Lilith as Vampirella's mother. Yeah, I, well, I did bring Draculina back. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Dra- Draculina was brought back in the uh, originally in the Fury, uh, Vampirella's Fury Tales miniseries, and then she reappears in the last couple of issues on my run it uh I think in t- issues 10 and 11 or it's either 9 or it's either 9 or 10 or 10 or 11 where mm-hmm. we meet uh actually meet finally uh Vampirella's biological father who turns out to be Cain of of Cain and Abel. Okay, yeah, and you were planning on having Draculina break Cain out of something? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's being he's being held but he's being held in the um by the cabal. Uh, and, and being held, um, it, mainly because he, he, he's, it, it's just too dangerous to have him running loose, mm-hmm. since uh, they've figured out how to um, the, the curse of Cain, the the mark of Cain, mm-hmm. has been um, 
weaponized. Oh. And, and turned into that was that was part of the my first story arc was Vampirilla meeting various monster various other vampires and killing them in order to to subvert a, a a demonic curse. And the second story arc that I did was the Accursed, where we meet all these famous immortals who've been cursed by the gods or God, uh, depends on who you you know. Uh, <laughs> but they're fated never to die. Mm-hmm. And that that's their punishment is they can't die. And that includes um Cain, Dia, Faust Doctor Faustus, Coleridge, uh Vampirilla's uh, assistant, you know, her her, her mm-hmm. major domo chauffeur what do you want to he's the ancient mariner. Yeah, you know, he he you know, he's he can't die either. But there you know, there's a handful of these people who've been cursed either by in in, in Faustus's sense he was cursed by Zeus for uh raping Helen of Troy. Mhm. Cain, obviously, and Lilith is another one. She's another one of the accursed. Oh, okay. Her curse was to be a vampire, or or, the, mm-hmm. or well, she she her curse was that all her children would be vampires, and Cain's curse is that all his children would be twins that would kill each other. One would kill the other. All he would know the pain that his that his yeah. parents. Yeah. So the, so Vampirella is actually doubly cursed. Yeah. Uh, and she and her sister, and um, so Vampirella is. Draculina is basically just driven to try and kill her sister because mm-hmm. it's part of the curse. Now, Got it. you are going to be working on a, or you you have coming out a prose Vampirella novel, correct? Yes, uh, yeah, I turned that in a couple, a few months ago. Um, uh, the working title is, and as far as I know, is this, uh, this is what it's going to be is. Uh, uh, Vampirella Blood, the Blood Invasion. It's and it's a completely different. I mean, the the Vampirella story arc I did for Dynamite in comics format. She it was the Harris version where she's the last daughter of Lilith, mm-hmm. uh, mother of vampires, and uh, and in this one it goes back to the original concept where she's a vampire from outer space. And, and, and most people kind of like kept forgetting about the reason that she even ended up on Earth as she was looking for a planet that had blood on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just got stranded here. So, but, but basically, she's been here for years and years. I never quite say how long she's been here, but it's long enough that people know who she is. Mm-hmm. She has a advertises on television with her with her partner Panther as, for, as you know, basically as Ghostbusters or Monster Hunters. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you know it's the V and P you know you know. Paranormal Investigations Department. You know that's what they do. <laughs> you, uh, they they're monster hunters and they're best friends. They live together, of course. <laughs> then, but she, they've been here long enough that people know who she is. People recognize mm-hmm. her and they know you know she's part of our culture now. Yeah. And and then one day the Draculon space fleet pops into existence over our, our major cities. <laughs> Very they, Independence Day like. Yeah, they finally found they finally found their way here, and so she's in a position where she has to figure. You know, she has mixed. She has divided loyalties. You know, whether mm-hmm. to her people or to uh, or to the human race. Yeah. And 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 it, it's um. I brought in. I tried to kind of mash together a few of the uh, elements of, of both the Harris and the. And the Warren versions of her by um, and, and and also brought you know Dracula's involved of course and Madame Evilly mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. a Drac I have a, I have Doctor Frankenstein and some and some of his children and yeah um, I was gonna ask by monster hunters do you mean like 
the classic monsters that you kind of brought back when you wrote her? Like, well, any kind of monsters that's given people problems. Okay. And it, it, the, the, the book starts out with her dealing with a demon that's been haunting a, a church that needs to be demolished so they can build condos. <laughs> so she's, she's been hired to take you know, by a real estate developer to take care of that. I and, am definitely interested. It sounds super awesome. Yeah. So well, basically, the concept is: is this is our the Earth is similar to ours, but not mm-hmm. quite because this is Earth where obviously monsters exist. Yeah. And uh, and and people understand that. And the Draculon, there's no such thing as the supernatural there, so they they really don't mm-hmm. understand. You know, they 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 come, you know, they've got super technology and come striding mm-hmm. in, but they don't know that, you know, they've never dealt with monsters. Oh, okay. So it's it, it's I don't want to go go into no, it. No, no, that's much, fine. But but it's it's basically a case where sometimes you have to. War makes for strange bedfellows. Nancy, do you know when the book is coming out? Not right offhand. I know it's coming out sometime soon because uh, they've been sending me uh, – Dynamite's been sending me things, but th- they haven't given me a launch date. I know it's going to be – you know, I wish I could get, uh, wish I could tell you. Just keep an eye on there. You know, I'm sure – yeah, it, it, you know, once I link once I link to link your podcast to them, I'm sure they'll be happy to tell me what the book sure, is. Sure, sure. Well, Nancy, <laughs> we uh we really appreciate you coming uh, back on the uh, Radio Hard Network on the podcast Hack uh, Hack Slash, but we appreciate you talking about uh, joining us in our discussion about the 50th anniversary of Vampirella. Okay, well, I have uh, uh, this January. I've got uh, the the Swamp Thing. Omnibus coming out that collects my entire run on Swamp Thing. How many issues so like is that? Like a thousand pages. How many issues oh, is that? Oh God! Yeah, yeah. I, I was on. I was the writer. I was, I'm the first woman and only woman to write Swamp Thing, and and I was on it for two years. Wow! So it's collecting my entire run plus annuals, and I am currently working on. I'm currently the writer of on uh, Becoming Frankenstein. Oh. Uh, which is a prequel of sorts to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and I'm working with my creative partner, artist Craig Hamilton, did uh, Aquaman, Fables, Lucifer. He and I are both Vertigo veterans, with inks by Larry Welch and colors by Gerhard from uh, Cerebus. Uh, that's going to be sometime in 2020, and it, it's a six-issue uh, limited series, and it is going to be gorgeous. And I'm definitely interested. Oh, yeah. We have, a, we have an art print out right now. Well, I will um, look for it. And that's from, I believe, Wild Ink uh, Studios, Wild Ink, or Wild Ink Press. I'm not sure which. So that's what we're uh, working on right now. It's an indie product. Fantastic. Awesome. I look forward Thank to that Swamp so Thing Omnibus uh, very much. That's that's fantastic. Also, again, didn't realize it's you were the... It's a hardcover. Hardcover. Didn't realize you were the only woman to ever write Swamp Thing. Again, a character that's been around for a while, not as long as Vampirella, but Jesus, that's... Just about. Just about. <laughs> I wonder if any women wrote any of the television episodes because he has yes, over. Yes, uh, there were women who wrote uh, for the streaming series. The the new one, the one that just got mm-hmm. canceled. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, did you like her? Did you like it? Uh, I I I thought it was interesting. It was it was a different interpretation. The the man who is the um, showrunner head uh, show uh, head writer on it, uh, Mark Verheiden, he and I have been friends for like forty years. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, I actually got to hear quite a bit about it um, uh, on the side, but yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, and I saw elements of my run here and there in the in the series. Oh, that's fantastic! Well, that's, great. that's fantastic. We've had Mark on the show before. He came on for My Name Is Bruce back in the day. 
Ah, yes, yeah. So, uh, and yeah. Battlestar Galactica when that was on because he was uh, involved well, you, with Battlestar Galactica. You know Galactica. The showrunner on Ash vs. the Evil Dead, right? I did not know that until you just uh, mentioned it. The showrunner is sometimes <laughs> hard to uh, hard to find because they sometimes change hands, like Walking Dead every five minutes has a new showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the showrunner for the second and third season. Yeah, I I, I also wrote a Army of Darkness um, miniseries that so it was pretty fun being able to do that oh fantastic fantastic well again nancy thank you so much for joining us for the 50th anniversary of vampirella well uh, uh, she's looking pretty good for girl her age (laughs) (laughs) she can still pull it off yes she can yes she can thanks nancy all right take care bye Okay. Bye. And we take a quick pause, and we'll be back with more episodes, with more four episodes, more of Goth Girl R, the Hackslash podcast. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Working together, we saved the planet, and I believe that if we stay together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. Every episode. My name is Jean. I'm a Martian. Every adventure. <sighs> Okay, you guys are so slow. Every hero. Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world, the Justice League will take you down. Cindy and Chris Franklin bring you JLU Cast. Whatever the future holds, we'll make those choices ourselves. Don't say you don't love me. I'll never say that. Covering the complete animated run of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And the adventure continues. Their strength. In numbers. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League. And we're back with Hack Slash versus Vampirella issue three, and Serena has the plot synopsis for us. Part three of the Hack Slash versus Vampirella miniseries, The Heart is a Lonely Killer, was released by Dynamite in 2017. Written by Sean Aldridge, with art by Rafa Lobosco, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and lettered by Crank. Cassie has just been possessed by the Blood Queen. The Blood Queen can tell there's more to Cassie than usual bodies, and she likes it. Vampirella tells Vlad that the Blood Queen won't give up Cassie's body unless it's too weak. Vlad refuses to hurt Cassie, but Vampirella explains that it's their only way to save her. Even with two against one, they are still no match for the Blood Queen, so Vampirella devises a plan. They must pin her down and bleed her enough to make her pass out. They succeed. Vampirella tells Vlad how when she was possessed, Cassie's consciousness was sent into something of another realm. She's being fed images of an ideal life, and it is up to her to break free of it. What Cassie sees is a home. She walks in, and two kids come running to her, arms outstretched, calling for Mama. She greets her wife, Georgia, and tells her the deal is closed quicker than expected before Vlad, no face mask in sight, tells them they should have dessert after dinner. They sit down for dinner. Vlad tried a new recipe for a traditional Hungarian goulash. It is an ideal life, but Cassie suddenly cries that it's all bullshit and tosses her bowl and tells the Blood Queen to show herself. The Blood Queen asks what gave it away. It was Vlad's cooking. He's never been a good cook. Also, she doesn't do suits. But the biggest giveaway, however, was the Blood Queen's assumption that Cassie's real life isn't the one she wants. She beats the Blood Queen and demands her body back. Cassie is back, but she's not too pleased about being bled. She doesn't want to be a vampire, although Vampirella assures her that won't happen. They need to find the Blood Queen. She could be anybody. Suddenly, a blade juts through Vampirella's back and out her stomach. The Blood Queen was right behind her. Excellent issue. I'm a little curious, and if God, if we ever have a chance to talk to Sean Aldridge before this ends, I'm going to try and reach out to him. 
about the continuity involving the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. I understand that Georgia, yeah, Georgia, Georgia, okay, Georgia, yeah. have had a relationship prior to this, and this takes place in between the two ongoings. But yeah. this definitely would signify a little bit more that they've had kids. Is is one of these kids supposed to be the baby that they adopt at the end of Volume Two? I am not sure. I just kind of assumed they were. Okay, I just I think that the uh, the bliss kind of memory thing would make mm-hmm. more sense at the end of that, but this series takes place before Vlad's death. Yeah. When she leaves. Or I wonder if it's one of those things of, like, in her, like, subconscious, you know, there was those feelings about Georgia, and it, like, tapped into that or something weird like that. Yes, possibly. But, again, I'm going to try and reach out to Sean Aldridge, and maybe we can get him on the show before... I've heard that Rafa Labasco is not able to. to I, I, I someone told me he doesn't speak English, so that might be a ah. little bit difficult. Kind of like the artist on, uh, you know, Hack Slash Chaos. <laughs> he <laughs> responds to Twitter very well, but he's like, "You don't want me in an interview. I don't speak English. <laughs> I can type it out pretty well, but I can't talk it." This is where the artwork sometimes I think would be. I don't know. With like somebody else who's a little bit more violent with their artwork, uh, would be a little bit more interesting, especially at the very end. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that the uh, the physical fights sometimes come off a tiny bit stiff, but I still enjoy them. Like the crack of the bat on Vampirella's arm, and it's got the star like a Batman symbol. Pow, fist, mm-hmm. bam, boom. I don't know. I didn't like it. Did you? I mean, I like the art in this issue, except for um, Kathy seems a bit more masculine than I'm used to seeing her. Well, that's so probably because that the, only... the, I don't know, do you think the Blood Queen beefs her up a little bit? Oh, maybe. That is a good point. I wasn't um, sure. But yeah, I just I thought she was a bit more... She looks bigger than I'm used to seeing her, I guess, just in her whole physicality. Right, right. Um, the uh, the part in the dream sequence where she rips open her shirt or whatever and she's got her fishnets on underneath. Yes, I loved that part. Also, the kiss between Georgia and Cassie is not well drawn. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, yeah. It's... Look at that. Look at her face. <laughs> it completely disappears behind her. I mean, look at it's the lips. Dream okay, but the art is really green. bad. Yeah, and then Vlad is green. Vlad, Vlad is green. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a giant head. Oh, God. Uh, I love Cassie being like, I'm going to become a vampire. Vampire is like. Do you know, wait, you know who Vlad looks like? He looks like handsome Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> like in the dream sequence. SpongeBob. <laughs> he kind of does. Vampirella getting impaled reminds me of our last guest's comic book, the last issue that he wrote of Vampirella in the original run by Harris Comics. Vampirella gets pierced through the body in a very bloodtastic scene drawn by Amanda Connor in, uh, in Vampirella Death and Destruction issue number three, which was the death of his Vampirella. She would be resurrected a couple months later by Grant Morrison. And in that, it's a spectacular bloody spear right through her body, out through the back. Whereas this is through oh. the back, out through the front of her torso. And it is bloody gory or whatever. There's not like guts hanging out, but it's just a massive thing of blood shooting out of Vampirella, who is already bleeding profusely because the Blood Queen or, sorry, uh, Mistress Nyx and that had it ripped off Vampirella's wings with her bare hands. You know, now that, like, we're talking about the blood, you would think that there would have been a little bit more blood in this issue with all of the blood sucking and the beating and then the jutting out through the... Not a lot of blood. Yeah. You know, just a lot of women getting, you know, um, phallic objects being shoved through their bodies. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> 
you know, maybe Bear Perilla's into that sort of thing. Maybe she likes some kinky foreplay where she's like, stab me, <laughs> and then let me drain your blood while I'm riding you or whatever, and you're engorged members inside me. You know, maybe she's into, uh, <laughs> like, some, uh, I, I, okay, honestly, I think sex with Vampirella, she is definitely the dominant in that partnership. <laughs> probably. probably. Uh, well, I think Vlad might be able to change that. She really likes him. I think she would still dominate him, and Vlad would be okay with it. <laughs> He'd let her. Uh, and then the uh, the Blood Queen said in there, in a, in, a, in a new body. Who's that? I don't know. But, uh, whoa, what was that? My cat knocked a cup over. Oh, okay. But this is like, <laughs> what, other than the dream sequence, it's just one giant fight through the entire issue. Yeah, it, not a whole lot. Of, well, I mean, we do get, like, inner monologue of, like, the Blood Queen in Cassie's thoughts. And, like, those, I like those parts. But, yeah, there's not a lot going on in this issue. I do love the one-page splash of For Love, of course, where Vampirella is diving over and Vlad has Cassie being held. Oh, gosh. Good Lord. Yeah. That cat is rambunctious. Yeah, he's a shithead. Did you know what I, my cat, my fucking feline did to himself? What? He picked up his new little catnip bag that I bought at Rocket Shock and dropped it in his water. And when I got home, he had drank his water, and he was a <laughs> psycho cat. Oh, my God. The I water was imagine. brown and smelled like cat. Oh, my God. It just smelled like everything smelled like catnip. And he was running around like crazy because he drank he it. He was so high. Oh, I'm surprised he didn't throw up everywhere. But I, I like that. I like that splash page. So overall, the issue was really quick to read too. It's just like bam, 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 yeah. bam, bam, bam. The ads in the issue. Oh, sorry. The two covers we have. We have we have Kathy with her bat over her head about the hit Vampirella by Jen Vaughn, and then we have the cover that I have, which is by Gordon Seduska, which has them diving out of the window and everything's kind of upside down. Yeah, I like that one. I don't like the Jen Vaughn cover. I don't like Cassie or Vampirella's face. And Vampirella looks like she's in ecstasy on the floor bleeding out and Cassie just has a really weird face. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're not very attractive. No. <laughs> By the way, this this comic book is PEFC certified, printed on paper from sustainably managed forest and controlled sources. Did you know that? Aw. Yeah, no, interesting. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Ads in this issue are few and far between. We have the J- Deja Thornis ad with a sexy drawing by uh, J. Scott Campbell, of course, because she is of course. basically just wearing a gold bikini. And then we have the Pumpkinhead miniseries, which was drawn by Blackie Shepard, who was on the show with us. And written by Cullen Bunn, who is doing Man or Black, and Bucky did, or Blackie did talk about. Correct. There's also ads for Xena Warrior Princess by Meredith Finch, who is David Finch's uh, wife, who uh, oh. has drawn like numerous, numerous DC comics like uh, Forever Evil, Batman comes to mind, Justice League. Kiss versus the <laughs> Army of Darkness. Okay. That uh, one sounds kind of trippy. Cool. Yeah, a Red Sonia steampunk comic, which kind of looks pretty cool. A James Bond M one-shot, which I'm assuming is the origin of M, who is James Bond's boss. Oh, I don't think I knew that. These James Bond comics I heard were, are really good, but... Uh, are they? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're printing the hell out of them. God, they're turning every one of the Bond books, by the way, into a comic book. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't think I knew that they were books to begin with. You didn't know James Bond was a was a was a book was a character in a novel before he ever became a movie. Generational difference here. No. What do you think Ian Fleming means? Whenever you see Ian Fleming on anything Bond related, who did you think that guy was? I don't think I, 
I haven't really been a big Bond girl. Like, growing up, like, my dad wasn't into James Bond and stuff, so I never really... I think I watched the one with Halle Berry and, like, Denise Richards. Uh, hot, oh, my God. Seriously? Those are such <laughs> garbage movies. Uh, I was about to make a bondage joke with you, but I'm uh, not going to anymore. Also, there's an advertisement for the Dresden Files and the Reanimator board game. I didn't know there was a Reanimator board game. That's so cool. That is super cool. Oh, my God. God, this thing's going to be, like, 80 to $100. You know how expensive these board games are, right? That's super expensive. No, I had no idea. Wow. Oh, by the way, okay, so the artwork, by the way, is by David Finch for Xena, and the it's written by Meredith Finch. So, husband oh. wife team, but uh, that's cool. David draws a sexy Xena, that's for sure. Overall, good issue once again, like this series. Again, this issue went pretty damn fast, that's for sure. It did. Like, I think I mentioned it when we covered the last issue, that I feel like this could have been condensed into less issues. They go really fast. I think they could have done with one less issue. Yeah. Four issues would have been fine, because it's only five issues long, right? Yeah. So the fifth issue is going to be our final episode. God, where's my Yeah, head? we're on three. Okay, we're on three. We might have a guest for four. If we don't have a guest for four, we're actually going to do four and five together so we can get back on the hack slash train. Quick thing I want to mention. While I was at the Southern New Hampshire Comic Con this weekend, I ran into a guy. Oh, by the way, I ran into Tom, who was our guest last week, a couple weeks ago, from uh, Vengeance of Vampirella. And I also ran into Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmati. And I ran into the cover artist for issue number five, uh, Chrissy Zulo. Oh, very cool. Very sweet girl. I will try to reach out to her. She's local here to Massachusetts. Oh, definitely. I ran into a guy named Dan Fraga who's working with Tim Seeley on an upcoming story, which I think is going to be amazing, spectacular. <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited because Tim Seeley also worked on a uh, previous miniseries connected to this property. Little something that uh, we all enjoy from the 80s. And the masters of the universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull. That's right, Tim Seeley is returning to the Land of Eternia once again in writing Masters of the Universe Multiverse. This is going to be the first Masters of the Universe Multiverse story they've ever done before. They've done it with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles several times. And, uh, Ghostbusters actually did it as well. And Power Rangers is currently doing it with their series. Everyone's doing a multiverse show. Why not He-Man? I mean, he's had enough iterations of the characters. Star Wars and I mean, Star Trek has kind of done something like that, but Star Trek has always been one linear timeline, too. Star Wars, always been one timeline, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of, like, alternate reality. There's, like, the Legend series, but that's not, that was in continuity and is no longer in continuity. So I don't see them doing a Star Wars multiversity, you know what I mean? I mean, unlike He-Man, it's been started, then stopped, then restarted. Started, Mm -hmm. stopped, and restarted. So you can do a multiversity. And they're going to include every version of He-Man in this. Dan was really excited about it. He was really happy to talk to me or whatever. And he gave me a print of Skeletor holding up the power sword above Grayskull. And it's, again, being written by Tim Seeley. So when Tim comes on the show, we definitely have to talk to him about the Masters of the Universe multiversity as he just finished writing He-Man and uh, the Masters of the Universe versus the Injustice video game characters. 
Oh, I didn't know he was doing that too. Yeah, he did that. He just wrapped that up. And they're all oh. those uh, those Masters of the Universe crossovers are kind of their own individual continuity too. There was also one where Masters of the Universe fought uh, Thundercats, and there was a Masters of the Universe Justice League crossover. However, did take place in both the DC Comics continuity of the New 52, the Masters of the Universe continuity that DC was publishing at that time. Oh, So cool. they made the Masters of the Universe comic books that they were publishing at that time part of the New 52 because He-Man's mother is from the DC Universe. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Well, she was an astronaut from Earth that her space shuttle uh, got sucked into a black hole and she crash-landed on Eternia where she was found by a young captain of the guard named Randor who would eventually one day become king of Eternia. Oh, so, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that was predestined by the sorceress that the union of this woman from Earth with this man from Eternia would create the universe's greatest champion, Prince, you know, oh, Adam, who would I get it. take up the power sword one day to become... Oh, here's a little bit more continuity. So Adam, when he turns into He-Man, He-Man is in fact the reincarnation of King Grayskull, as in Castle Grayskull, and yeah. the former husband of the sorceress. Oh. Oh, yeah. Isn't, isn't it, doesn't He-Man have like a lot more richer backstory than uh, just being a toy line? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know pretty much nothing about He-Man, so that's all like, wow. I didn't. I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, did you know that Skeletor was once a man named Keldor, and his half-brother is Randor, which makes him He-Man's uncle? Oh, no, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, He-Man's got a rich continuity. When people actually read up about it, it's, like, seriously detailed. Kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also has a pretty rich backstory and continuity with some of their characters when you get into it. Uh, IDW doing a great job of doing that. I see Turtles crossing over with everybody. Why can't Ninja Turtles cross over with Hackslash one day? It's in the realm of possibility, considering the amount of crossovers that the Ninja Turtles do with Batman, Ghostbusters, and now the Power Rangers coming up. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Hackslash, <laughs> the Goth Girl Horror Podcast. Sorry, the Goth Girl Horror, the Hackslash Podcast. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody, as this is our Halloween show. The show will be a little bit longer than you're used to, but we have a lot of information to get out about upcoming Tim Seeley projects. Also, don't forget to pick up the final issue of Hackslash and the Crow. It was yes. okay... I was not a big fan of the Hack Slash Crow crossover, but I enjoyed it. I will. Also, if anybody goes to Halloween as Vlad or Kathy, definitely tag us on Twitter so we can see all these costumes, yeah. all of our Kathy's. I would, I would enjoy seeing that. I was um, at the con that I went to where I met all these people yesterday. I was, um, I was Castiel. Oh, very cool. And you can go to Radio Horror on Facebook to look at the pictures, too, by the way. Uh, I will also be posting on the Goth Girl Horror hack slash Twitter the picture that the print that Dan signed over to me for free of Skeletor um, of uh, the upcoming Tim Seeley story. So um, very kind of him. Yes, very very kind of him indeed. Devils Do Press and Image Comics published the old He-Man comic books when He-Man was doing his revival in the early 2000s. Very cool. Definitely. I didn't know that either. So since this is our Halloween show, I thought I'd take some time with Serena to talk about what we're doing on Halloween this year. I'm going to be taking my kid trick-or-treating and then going to a bit of a metal, tiny little metal concert at uh, Ralph's Rock Diner in Worcester at 9 o'clock. We are going to go trick-or-treating, and then I think we're going to have him watch Casper for the first time, because he actually hasn't seen it. The Christina Ritchie movie? Yes. 
coincidentally enough, I will be at the Rhode Island Comic Con this weekend, and Christina Ritchie will be a guest there. Oh, awesome. I've actually met her before. She is super duper sweet. I'm sure, but she's also 80 goddamn dollars for an autograph. <laughs> Holy. I don't think we paid that much even for her picture. Damn. No, sorry. Her autograph is 60. Her picture is 80. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I think worth it. <laughs> um, I okay. You got the money? Cause I don't think that's worth it. As much as I would love well, to meet her, I mean, I might just meet her and then like walk away. <laughs> I just, I do not have. I'm sorry. That's just an exorbitant amount of money. I, I, I think if I had her sign anything, I'd sign her my, have her sign my copy of Cursed, that bad werewolf movie she did with Wes Craven. Okay, I know it's, like, a bad werewolf movie, but I still love it. Like, I love all werewolf movies. Like, even if they're bad, they're it's, just still good. It's also got, like, Pacey from Dawson's Creek and Lex Luthor from Smallville and Jesse Eisenberg. That's got two Lex Luthers in it. I just realized that. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum and Jesse Eisenberg are in that movie. Maybe that was the <laughs> omen. <laughs> Um, oh, and and uh, and what's his name from Heroes who plays like the gay bashing guy only to turn around and find out? Oh wait, because I'm gay myself and I'm actually just you know shuddering my you know one of those type of oh, people. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I'll be at Rhode Island Comic Con and Danny Figueroa is gonna be there. He's a long time editor from Marvel Comics. He used to edit a ton of Spider-Man books. He also co-created Darkhawk and. Uh, uh, a bunch of other people will be there. One of the one of the original artists who created Kyle Rayner will be there. Um, Christopher Priest will be there, who is the guy who basically made a lot of what we know about Black Panther popular today. Cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of great people are going to be at this Comic Con, along with all the massive amount of celebrity guests they're going to have. Like Chevy Chase is going to be there. Oh, that's pretty random, but pretty. <laughs> yeah, but again, way too much money to to, to meet Chevy Chase. Oh, I bet. I mean, if I was in, um, if if I could afford it tomorrow night for two hundred dollars, you can watch the Nightmare on Elm Street with Robert England. Ah, uh, that would be sweet if I had two hundred dollars to spend on going to the movies. Yeah, so it's a movie. You get an autograph. You get a picture. You get a poster. You get a toy. Oh, that's kind of. Yeah, funny. you get you get like a whole bunch of stuff for the two hundred bucks. It's not just you're not just sitting in an audience like. Twenty rows behind Robert England, and like I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, Robert England. He was all the way down there. <laughs> That's like I said. I could. I, I saw the Transformers movie, the first one, uh, in 2007 with Tyrese Gibson and the blonde British hacker chick that was in that. Because yeah. I did, and they were in the audience, and they walked up the aisle and greeted fans <laughs> up and down the aisle. So I oh, could say I saw cool. Transformers with Tyrese Gibson. <laughs> Technically, yeah. <laughs> uh, a happy. Halloween memory of mine um, from previously, before this gets too far off on a tangent, is uh, in 2014, I saw live, in person, a one-man show of Nevermore, the Edgar Allan Poe play by Jeffrey Combs, starring Jeffrey Combs, rehearsed and uh, written by Jeffrey Combs. That is pretty awesome. It was. It was an. I've never seen a one-man play before, and watching Jeffrey Combs perform that was amazing. He was funny. He was sad. He ends it with the Raven, and then the lights go out. That'd be pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty memorable. I would say. I would have to say last. No, the year before last, so 2017 for Halloween, me and uh, my family, we all dressed up as Ninja Turtles, and we were the whole gang going trick or treating, and it was pretty cool. Who was Shredder? Who was my favorite one so far. Huh? Oh, we didn't have a Shredder. We were just Donatello, 
Michael and Raphael, I think. Yeah. No Leonardo? No. What? Well, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay so that's not Leonardo the Ninja Turtles. To, no, the dog was supposed to be Leonardo, but my costume had, like, stiletto heel boots. And oh, I my God. The dog. Oh, God. So Leonardo got left at home so I could wear the suit. Oh, God, don't tell me you were a sexy Ninja Turtle. Well, I just had shoes and a tutu. Oh god! <laughs> oh, oh my god! You wore one of those horrible Ninja Turtle costumes that we sell at the Halloween city. No, cities? I actually put my entire costume together, like each piece, and I was wearing tights, green tights, and everything. So yeah, I mean, I was with my family. Like uh, it wasn't a slutty costume. My son is going with his mom. They're and they're like her, her husband, and their other two kids. They're all going to be Toy Story characters. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Isn't that adorable? I don't care. It is. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my family. <laughs> yeah, but it's still cute. I don't know what I'm going to be for Halloween tomorrow. I've got a few costumes I can just put on. I, I might be my battle-damaged Spider-Man. It's just the easiest thing or whatever. I didn't go out and buy a horror Halloween costume this year. Here's the thing. Being a horror host, 52 weeks a year... Doing three podcasts every other week through the entire month, month after month after month. Don't you think I celebrate Halloween every other day? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, pretty much our uh, quick little thing about Halloween. You can also find us at Christy SAV and... I'm Mad But Magic. And thank you again, and we'll come back in two weeks for the next episode of Hack Slash Podcast. Fuck!